This week on the Product Agility Podcast, we find ourselves in Lisbon, Portugal at the Productize 2023 conference, where attendees will get to hear talks from Melissa Perry, Tammy Reese, Leah Theron and Radhika Dutt, to name but four of the amazing speakers. We are here to do our talks in 10, and they're the best way for you to get the inside track and behind the scenes insights on the talks and workshops from the conferences that we partner with. So you don't miss a beat. If you're at the conference, come and find us. We're hard to miss with our podcast t-shirts. If you're not, then just enjoy these talks in 10. And who knows, maybe we'll see you at Productize 24. Today's episode of the Product Agility Podcast comes with a special gift in association with our Haaslides, your go-to engagement tool for fun, engaging and effective learning and workshop experiences. Whether I am teaching the criticality of a clear and compelling product vision or facilitating a product strategy workshop, AHA Slides always makes it a more elevating and effective experience through its polls, quizzes and brainstorming tools. Discover how AHA Slides can elevate both your in-person or remote experiences by visiting AHA Slides and use the code AHAXPROD, which is also in the show notes, for a whopping 50% off of an annual subscription. Welcome, we are here, Productize 23, Talking 10, episode number something, something, something. it's all blending into one lovely producty blur, <laughs> and we're here with Randy, <laughs> Randy Silver, who is talking today about what do we do now, how to deal with the rise of AI and LLMs. I'm not going to explain the talk, Randy, but what I'd love you to do <laughs> is give our listeners a short introduction to yourself, and then a little overview about what your talk is about, and we'll take it from there. Sure. My name is Randy. I am a product and executive coach. I'm a consultant, and I build communities these days. The talk itself is based on a book I wrote a few years ago at the beginning of the pandemic, when a bunch of my friends were calling me up and saying, holy crap, what the hell do we do now? They use slightly fruitier language, to be honest, <laughs> but I'll try and be polite for your podcast. It is marked as explicit. Hey, you, and you, I will be if you want as to swear fruity a little, as I want to. You be. can do. The previous <laughs> guest, there was a lot of talk of assholes. Okay. The, the bar's been set. We'll see where we go. Okay. Anyway, so people were calling me up and saying, well, what the fuck do, we, do I do now? And I found I was having the same conversation with all of them, and it was actually a really helpful conversation for them. So I sat down to write a blog post about it, and then... Each of the bullet points in that became its own blog post, and I realized I had a really short book, <laughs> half-written within a few days. Yeah. And as a former journalist, you know, vomiting out copy is easy for me, but also making it decent was, was not something I was too worried about. And uh, at the time, Jeff Gotthelf and Josh Sidon were still running Sensor Respond Press. They had a mission to get out books from unpublished authors in our community, and I sent them the first few chapters and said... Guys, I think I have something here. It would need to be published quickly. It's all about COVID and the way people are freaking out at the moment. Would you be up for it? And they said yes. And I said, could we do it all for charity? And they also said yes. This may be part of the reason why they're no longer in business as a publisher. Not that it sold badly, just that we didn't make any money. So that was that was the book. And the, the, the basic idea of it was, as product people, we are the best-placed people to deal with things in a crisis, in a disruption or an acceleration, whatever term you want to use. And there's debate about that, and we'll ignore that for today. But we're the best place people because we have all the tools to deal with uncertainty. 
doing market analysis, doing customer analysis, doing discovery, doing all the things that are in our basic toolkit are the things you need to turn to when there's uncertainty. That might sound familiar for the current situation for people dealing with AI and LLMs. I'm not going to teach you how to build an artificial intelligence product. What I can do is help you when your boss comes to you and says, so what's our AI strategy? And yeah, that's what the talk's going to be about today. Mm -hmm. You feel that there's a distinction to be drawn at some level between the the extent to which AI and LLMs are being espoused as something which will replace people versus a level to which it can augment. Anytime something new comes in, something that provides uh, a promise of doing something faster or better, it will replace some people. That doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. It's just that some people will try to do it that way. Some may succeed, some may fail. But in the short term, we don't know what that's going to be like, and it's scary. So, yeah, there's reason to be nervous. There's reason to be scared. Some of it is logical. Some of it is not. We don't really know how it's going to play out. The reality is at the moment, some companies are doing really well with this, and most are struggling to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. So we haven't quite seen this, where it's going to go yet. But the last few years, we've gone through lots of hype cycles. It's just, you know, this is a a historical trend. It just feels like they're coming much faster these days. We did this with Bitcoin. We did this with NFTs. We did this with crypto. Now it's AI and LLM's turn. So for the people who uh, are going to be attending your talk, what is the main message you'd like people to leave with? Well, exactly the same message as in the book. The first thing you need to do is essentially go out and figure out what has changed in your target market. What's different about your customers? What habits are changing for them? And what are your competitors doing about it? And do your customers care? If your customers' habits haven't changed, if their needs haven't changed, the urgency of change for you is pretty minor. If their needs have changed, or if your competitors are meeting their needs better as a result of this technology, then there's a real sense of urgency for you. That's the really, really big thing. The other one is the same as anything else that you do in terms of your strategy and your uh, development and prioritization. You need to have a deliberate stance about these things. You have to know what the character of your company is. Are you trying to be first a first mover in the market? Are you deciding that you want to be a fast follower? Do you work in a highly regulated space where it's dangerous to do those things and you want to be very deliberate and have a stage gate process? Having that understanding and making sure that everyone agrees on what the stance is, is really critical. Because if your boss is going to come by three times a day and say, so what are we doing now? And, oh, I've just had an idea. And, oh, that's what these guys are doing. That that's whiplash. It's not helpful. It's paralysis. You can't get anywhere if you're changing direction every five minutes. Mm -hmm. But if your boss, I mean, it's not going to stop your boss from asking these questions, but if you can actually remind them, hey, remember last week when we agreed that we're taking a deliberate process? I'll come back to you next week. I promise Mm -hmm. we are working, we're prioritizing, but you still have to communicate about it, but it gives you some air cover. As a coach, I take it you're seeing these situations in, in, in the wild. What kind of, I mean, slightly tangential, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious, right? Is as, as, as one coach to another, what are you finding are good coaching interventions to help people with those kind of those dynamics in an organization? 
I'm going to turn the question around on you for a second. I'm curious, as a coach yourself, how often are you teaching people things and how often are you just reminding them of things? It depends on what you mean by coaching. So if it's professional coaching, I would never teach because that is against ICF coaching ethics. So I wouldn't. If we're talking about product coaching, agile coaching or something else, then there's actually there's, there's a delineation to be, to be drawn with that. And I would always make sure that if I was going to teach and someone was expecting me to be a coach that they were contracted at the beginning mm-hmm. and understood that I was entering yep. into a teaching stance. But it depends whether we're looking to fill a knowledge gap or a skills gap. Providing people with some knowledge about a certain thing or maybe suggesting some things which they can then go and research themselves mm-hmm. rather than me teach and then I can support that journey. Then yeah, It happens a lot. It happens a lot. There's always an opportunity to fill a knowledge gap. It's just a case of whether or not people are then motivated enough to then go and exercise that and practice it to help fill the skills gap or that they may face. But what we're talking about here is more environmental gaps, right? Yeah. Where you've got a manager who has created a, a culture and environment where actually they are they've, they're very reactive. They're always on about the next big thing. They're always putting pressure on people. And I think it's very hard for people who are in an organization and mm-hmm. they're not the boss, and there is a strong hierarchical element to it, to then really feel, have the confidence to push back and feel that it's not being detrimental to their promotion opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not an ICF coach. I didn't go mm. down that route. I, people don't hire me to be that kind of coach. Mm. They hire me because I've been in similar situations or know people in similar situations. I would never tell somebody what to do, but I may provide benefits of my experience and other people's experience as a spur to help them figure out where they want to go next. Yeah, so more mentoring. It's a combination of coaching and mentoring, yeah. I tend to find mentoring being a little bit more, this is what worked for me, you should try this, and um, I avoid that as well. I am not you, I am not in your situation, and what worked for me or what didn't work for me may not be the right thing for you to do. That's totally fine, but it's a good way to help continue a conversation to reflect back to people and to get them out of get them unstuck from where they are at the moment and look at things differently. And that's really what I find most what I'm trying to do. Mm. Get them out of the perspective that they have at the moment, get them to step back and take a wider look at at the possibilities and then help work with them to support them to navigate on a different route so that they can actually move forward. Yeah. So with things like this, it's remembering the reason people are coming to you and saying, what's our strategy on this, is because they're terrified. They think they're falling behind. They think you're, they're missing the opportunity. And if they don't follow through on this right bloody now, that sounds wrong coming out of an American. You almost sound in English. But if you don't do it right this minute, then you're going to miss your opportunity. You're going yeah. to fail. And reminding yourself that it's not a logical issue that's come up, that there's a difference between something, a hypothesis, and something you can deal with, from, with by giving new facts mm. versus something that they now have an opinion on. And opinions have an emotional component. Mm. And emotions are impervious to facts. Yeah. So you have to come at it a different way. You have to show understanding and empathy. You have to g- make sure that you're not coming up against them and it's a clash of two people facing each other mm-hmm. you have to be two people allied against a situation that works better but it's hard to do that mm. it's hard to do it because there's an emotional component the, uh, for the person who's the, the the stakeholders asking but there's an emotional component in you being reactive and defensive 
when they ask yeah. you this. Yeah, <laughs> I know we have maybe haven't really done your talking ten. We've kind of gone into more sort of coaching <laughs> angles. There's so much I'd love to talk about. But it's emotional intelligence. We had yeah. Remy on earlier, you know, talking about that but threat perceived or actual, and how the, you know, how our brains operate differently in that. And even you know, we talk about like techniques. Actually, we're in those situations where you do have those kind of hard conversations. To have the gestalt techniques, the empty yep. chair technique is a, is a lovely one, you know. And I think that can be really powerful to help people have practice the conversations and see it from different perspectives and these are all things that maybe we can talk about when we get you back on the podcast <laughs> next year um i believe that our time has come to an end unfortunately how long is it until you go and do your talk a couple of hours a couple of hours mm-hmm. what are you going to do between now and then somehow I have to get a 25 minute talk down to 15 minutes so i'm going to yeah. figure out how to do that <laughs> fantastic well i wish you all the very best for that if people want to learn more about you randy where can they find more information best place to go well i have a silly name randy silver it's easy to find me in general but my site is outofowls.com. Out of Owls. Awesome name. <laughs> and you've got a pod, you're on a you're a podcast host? I am a podcast host myself, but the one from Mind the Product, it's called The Product Experience. I do it with my co-host, Lily Smith, who's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, we're just another wonderful product podcast. Yeah, well, everyone should check that out. I've listened to it a few times. I think there was a... Did you interview, is it Itamar Gilad? We just had Itamar on, and I couldn't recommend his new book more. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, awesome, awesome material. He's, his confidence will fundamentally change me as a human, I think, in some respects. But maybe that's another conversation <laughs> for another day. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck producing your talk. Everyone, thank you much for listening, and we'll be back again soon. Thank you.